Hey everybody, we're here at the CNP in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. I got Mark, I got David, we're having a blast. Uh, what are we, we're at a critical race theory seminar. What well, is- yeah, I mean, they're breaking down a whole lot of what's ailing and attacking, not just the, the, the United States, but the body of Christ. Yeah. So we need Rob here. I know he's not going to be able to make it on Sunday, but you're going to get a very good friend of mine, Victor Marks. He's going to bring the house down. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say, and we need this brother right here to get filled up. So pray for him that he gets everything that Papa God wants him to get while he's here Love so he can guy. come back and unleash on y'all. And I can't wait to come back and see all you come all on. again as well. So We'll do it next week. <laughs> all right. Oh, you, no, no, you have to do it the week after because, Mark, right. you're coming, right? I am. And as a pastor, I want you to know that in his absence, you're going to get something that God wants you to have. Amen. We are doing something here. We do it quarterly with people who, who share the ideology and the faith that you all share uh, with us. And so we're so happy to have your guy here with us and he's bringing something back for you. I promise you. I love you. And I love you. I love you too, my brother. And we all love love you guys. Bye, everybody. God bless. God bless you. Rob is having way too much fun without us. Um, but if, if you don't know who Victor Marks is, you will. I'm so excited. Please welcome Victor Marks. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Get up. Well, good morning. Is there a dog right there? She follows me everywhere I go. Um, try to get a service cat, but they're hard to train. <laughs> when a bad person comes around, you actually have to take the cat and throw at them. And <laughs> this is Scout. Let me get this right out. This is Scout. She's a Belgian Malinois, and uh, so a cousin to the German Shepherd and such. But she is uh, four years old. Uh, she's my uh, obviously my personal dog, uh, service dog, but she's multi-purpose. So uh, she's been with me to Iraq, and and what we do is high-risk humanitarian missionary work. I did serve in the United States Marine Corps, but we started using our canine as part of our ministry, and she's one of the few dogs that uh, face ISIS fighters, uh, and then was in our safe house where kids or women we had recovered or rescued uh, were there, and she turns into a therapy dog for them. So, isn't that, yeah, isn't that fun? So she's sweet. Women and children can pet her. Uh, men, not so much. Because <laughs> everybody's like, oh, she's so sweet. And I go, of course she is, until she get the business side of it. <laughs> And some people actually just, they don't even look at the patches or they push past them, do not pet, right? I was actually at an airport, we were doing a movement through and we are gonna fly somewhere and, and a guy and gal kinda walk up to us and the, the, the young lady goes, oh, can I pet your dog? And I said, well, thanks for asking, sure. So she pets her, as soon as she's done, the guy goes to pet her and I go, oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> and he goes, why not? I said, well, she's just kinda trained specific, she's, against men, you know, she's real, so he's, and in front of everybody, he goes, why are you judging my gender? <laughs> and I, I mean, I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, oh, that's one of the, you know, new things that's out there, funny. <laughs> he wasn't joking, or she, and he goes, uh, he was so offended, he said, you have no right to judge my gender. And it, everybody's looking now. It's a scene. It has turned into a scene. And I was like, well, hey, I'm sorry. You, you kind of have a beard. I mean, not a full-grown man beard, but you got some, like, uh, and he was like, uh, and he kept a fine. said, hey, pet the dog. We'll let her decide if you're a man or a woman. <laughs> He opted not to. <laughs> so, 
Scout's amazing. She can do 14-hour flights, rolled up and sitting at my feet. No complaining, nothing. So she's, she's a highly trained. She started five weeks for training. And she was donated to us by Baden Canine out of Canada that trains tier one dogs for doing work in military law enforcement and special operations. So we're grateful that people partner with us to do what we do in the ministry that we do. So that's Scoutsters. Mr. Crothers? It's truly a privilege to be here this morning. Uh, that first group, man, they were, they were out of control. <laughs> wow. I was like, holy smokes. I like this church. Uh, it, it, seems like, it seems like all the churches that have shut down or changed, it's, it's like the people who are hardcore and really want to live their faith have congregated here as one of the churches. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's fun, and I, I'm here because I respect Rob so much. As a matter of fact, the CNP that he's at right now, <laughs> I was there Friday. And he walks past me, and he goes, hi, Victor. Victor! He says, you're covering for me Sunday. I go, I know. <laughs> Double dipping. Don't worry. I will be there, brother. <laughs> And then uh, David Harris Jr. and then Mark Little. Uh, Mark Little's amazing. They're both friends. Uh, uh, Mark's from here. Uh, his father was in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, and he just recently passed away. But Mark actually, defending his fiance, was shot in the leg by a mugger with a shotgun, and it blew off the bottom half of his leg, and he wears a prosthetic. And that happened when he was a young man in a... When I first met him, I was at a speaking event, and he, you know, we'd shake hands, and I said, you, you, you limp pretty good, but is it real? He goes, what? He says, do you really have a prosthetic? He goes, yeah. I said, can I kick it? <laughs> he goes, go ahead. I went, it's real. He's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I said, this is just the beginning of our friendship. I wanted to get it right out there. One night he called me, he said, you know, we're talking, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting in bed. And I said, oh, we're talking about some stuff. I said, uh, is your leg off or do you keep it on? Is it a... <laughs> what is wrong with you? I said, I'm just, I'm a learner. I want to learn. I want to learn about the, can you use it as a weapon? That's what I'm talking about. He says, yes. I said, all right. So uh, I help from Louisiana originally. That's why you... Maybe we'll catch the accent every once in a while. One of those Cajun folks. Uh, and, you know, uh, our Cajun people, they've done good over the last decade. We've infiltrated most of society through media. <laughs> Think about it, you got the swamp people. <laughs> shoot them, shoot them in the head. You had the Waterboy movie that came out. Yeah, Uncle Cy and, you know, Doug Dynasty. As a matter of fact, I just got an email. Uh, Size celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary in a couple of months, and we may go out to that. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we've done pretty good. Our goal is to change the way everybody talks. <laughs> the shortcut is just put Novocaine on your tongue and watch what happens. <laughs> just get all relaxed. So, I head up a ministry called All Things Possible. We're an organization that has multiple lines of effort, but our main goal is to identify those who've been traumatized um, and those who do the traumatizing. Then we will insert risk to stop the action, and then we finally will bring in restoration, hope, and healing using uh, the love of God, the truth of Scripture. So it's, it's been quite the ride uh, by profession, uh, my wife and I were martial arts instructors, and we were out in Hawaii with schools out there suffering for the Lord. <laughs> Somebody got to read some natives. So, you know, I, uh, the, the, uh, 
the Lord, he always looks for a payoff on those he invests in. And it's whether we're willing to trust him and obey him to follow him. There's a lot of talk about receiving Jesus, not a lot of talk these days about following him. There's a difference. And we have the incredible privilege to follow the Son of God if we choose to. Normally what keeps us back from that, if we're honest, it's probably fear. And that's the scripture I want to look at today. It's in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> if you're Mormon, I love you. I'm just a joke. Just a joke. <laughs> I got confused last night. Was, you know, after a six-pack and too many cigarettes, I was just like, I'm not sure where I'm going to teach tomorrow. <laughs> no, we're in the Holy Bible. The Scripture is 2 Timothy 1.7. If you have a Bible, open that up. We're going to take a look at that. 2 Timothy 1.7. Last service, it was Numbers 11, 12, 13, 14. We call this a switch up. I will follow my notes to the T. I have none. I prefer not teaching with notes. That way I can't mess up. Wow, y'all give out Bibles. I want one. 2 Timothy 1.7. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's one thing to hear a scripture, it's another to learn of it, and it's another to have your know know it, to where it really means something to you, right? Or it's just words. But it's actually holy text. The word, the word of God is infallible. It's eternal. And, um, but you know what I've been confused lately? Is that so many pastors and people and ministry and Christian music people and well-known, they know the word, but yet their life certainly doesn't represent it. And between a low IQ... <laughs> and, uh, and a tenacity not to give up, I started asking people questions, especially as it led up to the election stuff. When I see people taking a stand for pastors who believe abortion is actually okay and Christian. I'm like, what? Uh, is he out of his mind? So I'm asking other pastors that I actually loved, followed, respected, and they won't take a stand against it. They won't say nothing. I go, do children's lives not matter? I recover, rescue, seek, pedophile hunter, whatever you want to call it. Our organization is very effective. We have been for years. My chief of operations is a retired Delta operator. He was a commander with a thousand missions, never lost a man. What we've done, we've taken that passion and skill sets and, and leading of God's spirit to affect change and to help children, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Why well, I believe in absolute recovery of children and stop, I believe in stopping and cutting off the machine. And you know what? Part of that is justice. God is loving, but he's just. And I, I mean, you know, I've spent the last five years off and on in Iraq, 14 pumps, 90 missions, to where I actually have a house there and became a resident in northern Iraq. <laughs> you don't know, crazy. I mean, I had to give blood in order to get, you know, and go through their residency program. I'm like, just to get my resident card. And then I remember getting into, from Iraq, going into Syria to do a mission to where we were going to find and go to ISIS's confinement camp. It's called Camp Al-Hal. You can Google it. 70,000 ISIS wives and children. They've been brought there. It's an internment camp. It's a prison camp. 70,000. 
Because our ministry, our organization, we go, where's the biggest need? The Lord opened the door. And it was kind of weird because we have my story, my testimony in Arabic in a comic book form. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to deliver 5,000 to that camp and line and lambs, which are little tactile trauma-reducing healing toys and and set up an operation inside the camp, which our lead person there, they tried to kill her, and she ended up, uh, they, they tried to kill her on the road by a head-on collision with a big truck. She ended up in a coma, broken jaw, shoulder, messed up. As soon as she came out of the coma, she sent comms to us through our other team members in there, and she goes, as soon as I'm better, I'm going back in the camp. She's back in. Um, so, d- doing the work over there, it's not really like something, it's just normal. Does that make sense? But it's funny. You can have fun doing it, real fun. Can you imagine? We go from Iraq into Syria, and then we had to sneak out of Syria to get into Iraq. I was an illegal alien. Literally, we're like, and the way we got out was un, unreal. I mean, only God's hand. It's, <laughs> I like living the life following Jesus. I find them to be very fun. It's better than like just seeking pleasure and comfort all the time. That doesn't really deliver. Um, the first time I went into Iraq, we put the team together. We're going to head over there and we're going to recover 30 women, 30 girls who had been held captive by ISIS to help them with trauma relief. And I'd put together a really, really solid security team because we, we had to provide all of our own security. There's no QRF. We don't, you know, the U.S. military is not going to help us. We're doing this as high-risk humanitarians. Got a team together. We made the plan. And then my bride comes up to me and says, honey, I've been praying. Like, that makes me nervous. <laughs> she, she actually believes prayer works and all that type of stuff. It's not, it's not like a duty, it's a devotion. And she's like, I'm like, oh, well, okay, what are you praying about? She goes, I feel like I'm supposed to go with you. I said, nope. She goes, no, I feel like God's telling me to go with you. I said, no, he's not. woman. And uh, <laughs> hey, my wife's from California. You know, she married this Louisiana. And I remember when we were first semi-sweet on each other. I was full sweet. I was full chocolate. She was semi. And uh, <laughs> I was praying, but it wasn't working. And, uh, and we're going over scriptures. She's like, oh, I read that scripture about wives submit to your husbands. She goes, that, no, that, that doesn't sound right. I remember, and I was like, woman, I rebuke you. That's the Holy Scriptures. I'm thinking to myself, man, if we're ever going to get married, that's going to be a tough one to get over. We end up getting married. Was it still a tough one to get over? <laughs> and then she's, I, so we get into what people would call a discussion. My wife is a black belt who's trained on multiple platforms shooting. She does blade work. She's driven armored vehicles. She's capable. So our discussions are quite interesting. And I was like, no, it's bad. It's, we're going where ISIS territory. You know what they're doing? They, uh. Finally, I just said, why do you want to go? Why do you want to go? And then in her quiet way, because there's so much strength in her calmness, she just goes, honey, you're going to find the girls. I know you will. I was like, you better believe it. <laughs> Man's work, honey. You just, me and the boys, we got this. And then she's like, but when you find them, you can't hug them. And they'll need hugging. 
and I'll do that. I looked at her and I said, you're willing to risk your life to hug girls who've been abused, sex slaves, I mean, horrific. She said, what's the worst that can happen? We die? And I was like, yes, die, death, that's, that's, and you know what she said? She goes, but then don't we win? I'm like, you really believe this stuff at a whole different level. I mean, I know we're going to win and die, but I want to do it as a great grandpa, you know. <laughs> with great grandkids fanning me with palms or something and <laughs> angels coming down. Are you ready? Oh, not yet. Well, I'll be right back. And now, yeah, let's, let's do this up to heaven. My wife's like, so we get killed. So what? It's God's business. It's not ours. We're just to follow him. Yeah, people think I'm the one that has all the courage. You have no clue. There's been times I'm looking at missions going, ooh, I'm up at two in the morning walking around going, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Just, Lord, I don't think it's a good idea. My wife saw, is he telling you to do it? Be silent in the church, woman. (laughs) My wife is the type of woman that'd rather be a widow than married to a coward. She's the type that says, you go come back with your shield or on it, but you follow the Lord. Follow the Lord, Victor. Nothing should stop you. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, there have been times, I remember saying, I was, I was in a place, I was shooting ISIS, sneaking out She goes, yeah, I was right next to you. Oh, yeah, you were. I can't. (laughs) God's not giving us a spirit of fear. What would your life look like different if you actually didn't let fear hamper you? Ruminate on that for a bit. Fantasize on it for a bit. What would your life look like if you were like, what if I just didn't have that fear gene where I didn't care about what people thought? I didn't, I didn't fear dying. I didn't fear, you'd be dangerous is what you would be. And it's time in our culture, can I just speak to the young men? Young men, it's time for young men to get backbone, to get courage, to step into the gap and go, I want to be dangerous and I want to follow the Lord and maybe smooth a little bit to give me a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got three daughters, and I got four granddaughters. We've been married 32 years, and I've been following the culture, and I've been following the, 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 the increase of passivity among young men. And I'm not downing you, I'm just saying, fight against the culture. We need masculine, moral men in our country now more than ever. Now, you make a statement like that in church 50 years ago, 30 years ago, people wouldn't be clapping. And look at y'all. Everybody claps because we know the need, especially young ladies, especially young single women. Where, where, where are the men? Where are the men? Uh, I remember my daughters dating. Uh, they're all married now. I got, you know, my three oldest married and kids and all that type of stuff. Uh, but I remember, I remember coming into my house one time. She's got a young man who's over visiting her. I never met him. I walk into the house. He's sitting on the couch. I go, how you doing? He goes, pretty good. <laughs> I said, pretty good. Great. I want to know your name. So I walked over to him and shook his hand and he goes, and then I pulled him right off my couch. I kept holding on to him. I said, hey, so you're in my house. That's my couch. When a man walks into this house, you should at least get up to greet him. That's respectful, young man. Then I think I pulled out a pistol and put it in his hand. I said, put this to my head. 
I hold a world record for the fastest gun to disarm where somebody holds a pistol to my head and I can disarm and pull out the mag and point it back at him in eight tenths of a second. So he was like, I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> my daughter's like this. <laughs> Later, I got a scolding from her. She's like, Dad, no boys will ever like me. They're afraid of you. I said, the right one won't be. The right one won't be. I had another daughter come up to me one time. She was crying. I was like, what's going on? She goes, I was at a party, and I probably shouldn't have been there, but this guy was very, very mean to me, very rude, very, you know, not good. And she goes, I just saw him. I hadn't seen him. I didn't know who he was. I just saw him. I said, you know his name? She goes, yeah. So we do a daily intelligence brief. We have analysts and intelligence people on our. <laughs> Let me give you the level of excellence. We had an ISIS sympathizer, part of the crowd, uh, threatened me to behead me on social media. And in 72 hours, we had found the country, the continent, country, city, and neighborhood he was in, filled out a CT report, and guys from another country went and kicked open his mom's basement. Go ahead, make threats. So this young man, this, that's why I tell people, don't Google where I live. So I told this, uh, I told my daughter, where'd you see him? She goes, he's working down at this grocery store. So what's his name? I said, okay. I said, you want dad to do something? She's crying, she goes, yes. Uh, I was like, if you ain't like your mama, I don't know no one. So I went down there. I remember parking in the parking lot going, Lord, I don't want to blow a witness for you, but I sure need to get a signal across to this young man that he can't take advantage of girls. And I walked in there and saw him. Saw his name tag, walked him, and I said, you know, Rick, I have a message from God. And I grabbed his hand. Uh, and I, he's like, I said, I have a message from God for you. He was like, how do you know my name? He thought I was a prophet. I'm like, you're an idiot. It's on your name tag. Let, let, let's start there, young man. And I really didn't know what I was going to say, which is not always good. Strong back, weak mind, no filters. Whoopsie. I think the Holy Spirit just gave me what I needed in that moment. I just said, God... I looked at him and said, no evil deed will ever go unpunished. No evil deed will ever go unpunished. And he, I mean, you could see his visceral rate increasing, his eyes dilating. His mouth was going dry because I wouldn't let go of his hand. I think he was just processing all his evil deeds. And he's thinking, is this the day it goes un not unpunished? <laughs> And then I pulled him close and I said, the cross of Jesus is your only hope. Where are the men of our culture today that are willing to stand up against what's wrong, say it, not get emotional, and certainly not, certainly not be passive when we should say right things. That's what confused me about so many pastors and people in ministry that wouldn't even stand up. Have we not now understood the dividing line between those who follow Christ and those who want to be religious? Amen. I think it's pretty telling. Somebody told me, well, you shouldn't call people out on social media. Here, why not? If publicly you're making statements supporting certain things, I can certainly ask them questions publicly. Last year, our social media platforms reached 200 million people. Oh my goodness, what time is it? It's 11.55. What time does this one stop? <laughs> but we got another service. 
What was that? 25. All right, I'm going to set my little clock here. Are y'all starting to get the idea? I'm not an expositional pastor. Y'all got a great Bible teacher. When I come, I don't have to teach the Bible. I can only talk to you about how it's affected me. I want to be a witness. God told me one day I'd be coming into sanctuaries and telling people, being a witness for what he's done in my life. So that's what I'm doing. We'd be doing the same thing if we were at my house. Except my feet would be up at the fireplace or whatever. <laughs> God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power. What is that power? Everybody wants to put power in the physical sense and all that. And while I do believe we should take care of our temples the best we can, best, I mean, best we can, I, you know, that's a smattering. Okay, get fat and lazy and forget about it. These are his temples. It houses his Holy Spirit. And uh, I had a pastor come up to me. He goes, you know, I thought you were going to fat shame us. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, but I left so mad after you spoke because you were offensive. And I lost 60 pounds. <laughs> I said, good for you. I'm glad a swift kick in the rear worked. We got to encourage each other for excellence. Do you understand? People, I served in the United States Marine Corps and there was a bar that was set of push yourself, never give up and learn to eat crayons. But the guys, I, the guy, not all of them, you got to stay away from them red ones. <laughs> no, I mean, last night I was laying in the hotel room going, Lord, what do I, what am I going to speak on to? What do you want to tell people? And I put down my whiskey and I took a last drag off that cigarette. And, I mean, I didn't flick it. I put it out because you. <laughs> Two weeks ago at our leadership training center in Colorado, we had in an active duty team from special forces come in. These men kill bad people. They capture and kill monsters while you and I sleep. Monsters. And they came, yeah, we've got excellent training facilities, a range, we're building a shoot house and a tower, and we've got, we do jujitsu and hand-to-hand, because of our experience and what we do. But you know what they wanted help with? Their marriages. And everyone brought their wives. And all, we had nine, nine of them want to be prayed for. And some weren't even Christians. But they understand the highest level of battle is not in the physical sense, but it's in the spiritual realm. I've had colleagues that would shoot monsters and see things leave them. Dark figures leave them. Do y'all believe there's a real battle between good and evil? There is. And if Christians believe that in a healthy sense, we'd be stronger followers of Jesus Christ. Didn't he deal with it? And we act like they're all gone. Or one of the best lies is, well, they're all overseas. I've dealt with so many people that had demonic assignments against them. It's over a thousand now that we've actually prayed for. You would be shocked at the consistency of lies that are told to people regardless of their believers, non-believers. Religious, non-religious, doesn't matter what country. There is an evil organized war against humanity. And when you understand that, then you want and need the real power of God. Where's the power of the Holy Spirit going in the church? We've put them in a corner. And I'm going to tell you, I love the Word of God more than anything. But just knowing about the Word of God without knowing it and believing it is a problem. It's a big problem. 
So I pray some of you have demonic encounters. <laughs> Talladega Nights. Bobby, don't be putting that on me. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, some Christians need to see face to face how evil is manifested. Have you ever seen evil manifested? Have you ever seen somebody's eyes change or the face contort? Or they say things that were so lit from the pit of hell that you're like, what in the world? It would grow your faith. You think it'd make you scared, but it actually will turn you to the Lord to go, okay, let's do this. What do I need? And it happens anywhere. And you don't have, <laughs> it's pretty amazing to see the Lord do pretty incredible things. Because the devil does lose. He lost the big one. Now he's going to lose the little battles. The war has been lost. And he gives you and I the privilege and opportunity to win with the Lord in these small battles. Give an example. We're west of Mosul. We're training up. We're, sometimes we as high-risk missionaries have to wear body armor so we don't get shot. Where we were operating because ISIS was everywhere. Is that wisdom? Sometimes we had to ride in armored vehicles that we bought so bullets wouldn't go through. And sometimes we carried evil repelling pieces of metal hooked to a sling. <laughs> Touching my little button, nervous here. And people go, yeah, I saw a picture of you. I thought you were carrying an AK. I said, I was, but it was tricked out. It wasn't just an AK. We... <laughs> and I've had real spiritual people go, where's your faith? Aren't you a missionary? I go, yeah, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> that, that's my default. <laughs> uh, I wish I was like them great old missionaries at uh, this day and age. I'm not, I'm not that great. I said, do you lock your door at night? Like, yeah. Where's your faith? You got to leave that thing unlocked. Super saint. And I'm okay with people who are passive. I really, I really am. If you're... If you men lean more toward passivity, good for you. Just don't get in our way of those who will protect you because you can have that freedom to be passive by shouting us down. The men and women right now who stand in between you and I of manifest evil. I, I, I know the chief detective here in Yelts County, good friend of mine. Man. There's a lot of evil out there. We need the power of God, but there's practical things too that it seems like we forgot. And do you know that that repels men, m real men, from coming to church? Because they're going, heck. I, I've, that group that I had in at a training center, potty mouth, woo! I mean, serious potty mouth. And that's just their wives. And I was like, <laughs> go ahead with your F-bombing self, man. Whatever. Just, they felt so comfortable. And I remember talking to one guy. He was a swole-up maniac, man. He's like, you know, I'm just good at hunting monsters. And, but yet, they're having trouble with their marriage. And, well, let's talk about it. We'll give you kind of our, we, we kind of do it according to the Bible. And da-da-da, we're talking and whatnot. And uh, I said, have y'all considered like coming to faith in Jesus? He's like, nope. It's okay. He goes, but if I was considering it, <laughs> like where do you start? And he said, I'll be honest, I've been to five churches over the years, not one I would fit in. I said, I guess we could do a Bible study here at the training center. 
shoot at the range afterwards. <laughs> Practicing cuts for our barbecue. I... You got to reach people where they're at. So please don't be the Christian that if somebody has a potty mouth, you. I'm talking to the men. Ladies, I think a good thing if somebody's being a potty mouth in front of you, just go, you're better than that. Yes, ma'am, sorry. And men, we can stand up if somebody's kind of getting silly when we have women or children around. Me and my wife were on a plane. There were three guys behind us going to a concrete convention over in uh, Las Vegas. And man, they were potty mouthing it. And uh, I started, and my wife's grabbing my hand. I said, honey, this is just, there's women and kids on this flight. And then when she, when she releases me, I just kind of stood up and turned around and said, what's up, fellas? Y'all going to Vegas? Yeah. I said, all right. I said, my wife's over here. She don't need to hear about your sexual exploits. Do you want to bring that down for me? Or I swear I will climb over this seat and pull you. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, <laughs> you can't say that. That's, that's mean. But your body language and your eyes can. <laughs> I, like that, I, like, I like that movie, Secondhand Lions, where that scene where them young men jump up and be disrespectful, and he just, he hurts their feelings a little bit. Gives them a course correction and a lesson. That's a great movie if you've never seen that one, Secondhand Lions. Well... The power of God is what we need as Christians. When you listen, when you daily listen for what the Lord may tell you, that's pretty fun. I remember the first time I thought I heard. Now, I know some people go, I never hear the Lord. And I go, okay, not my problem. No, I just, I've, there's been doctrine about, well, many of us don't hear the Lord. So we don't hear, I'm like, okay. Is that my dog? Knock it off, Scout. Scout, get over here. Come on. Up, up. Good. I think she wants to target sinners. <laughs> Jeff, that's Kurt? Is that what? You gotta. She's keying. It's just a little sin, just a little repentance. <laughs> so. Hearing, I was in the Marine Corps as a brand new believer, and I'm eating in the chow hall, and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, tell him I love him. I was like, what? I rebuked that thought. Like, I'm eating. I'm a Marine. I want to tell him. I just, I'm new at this, God. I don't want to tell nobody. Nothing like that, especially if they're a Marine. And he said, tell him I love him. I was like, oh. And I looked up, and I it was right across the chow hall. And he was a big bodybuilding, knuckle-dragging brother. He was like a silverback. And I was like, no, not him. Mm -mm. Holy Spirit, you tell him. I said, man, that guy will pull me apart from limb to limb. Man, if I offend him. Then I was like, what are you afraid of? I saved you. Other people know that. I was like, oh. So I get up. Get my tray, and I'm walking right toward him. I'm just, and then he walks right out the door. I was like, your servant was willing. Bless me now, Lord. <laughs> I really did. I was like, whew, okay. And uh, I remember putting my tray in uh, slowly. And then when I walked out, he had left, but he turned around, and he came back, and we turned, and I literally bumped right into his chest. Boom. And it was like, it's on like a fight. You got to just do it. I went, God wants me to tell you he loves you. <laughs> and he steps back. He goes, what'd you say? God told me to tell you he loves you. <laughs> this guy looks at me and he goes, thanks. I really need to hear that. 
So I was like, of course you did. <laughs> it gets pretty addicting when you learn to hear, you know? And even when you're afraid, one of the most fearful times I had to pray for somebody who was in Iraq, west of Mosul, we're prepping, we're getting ready to go in and, you know, with those little, all the stuff. And, uh, and this car comes driving up. In our location, we're the only Americans anywhere. So this car's driving up, and cars have bombs on them, V-beds. It's, it's bad over there, especially when we were there. It's bumbling up. So we literally are raising our weapons going, uh, don't come toward us, because they'll come and ignite. I'm like, oh my God, and then it stops. And it's, it's a pretty good distance from here to the back of the church. A guy jumps out of the car and he goes, help, help, my wife, psychological problems. Psych-. And there's a woman in the back seat wearing a full hajib, just her face showing. I said, did he just say psychological? Because we just produced two films on the effects, causes, and treatments of PTSD. I thought, oh my gosh, that's weird. And he's asking for help. And I felt the Holy Spirit go, go. Just go, that's what I heard, go. I was like, but I don't wanna go. There's a, there's a bomb in there, this is a setup. They're, they'll honeypot you in and then crack, I like. And so I'm trying to, my team's watching me. I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to go over there. And, and then my guys are like, let's do it. I'm like, easy. <laughs> so I'm walking and I'm literally just, oh gosh. Mm, if they clocked that thing up. And then at one point, one of my guys said, man, you just started walking with confidence, boss. You were just like, like the God Spirit come on you? I said, nope. I realized I was inside the radius for the blast and I was gonna be smithereens anyway. So I said, <laughs> that won't help me. Take the vest off, nothing to help. Get over there and sure enough, her face was burnt. And I looked at her and I said, did you burn her? He goes, no, no. And she had been having psychological problems, he said. He said, she just always wants to kill herself. So I did a quick assessment, absolutely a PTSD from ISIS invading their village. But then as I'm sitting there and talking with her and him, I go, I think this is more than just psychological. I said, do y'all believe in evil? And I said, yes, Jen, you know, devil, evil, I said, I think your wife is having problems because of evil. And, I, and they're like, oh. I said, um, what's the top three things you think about? Tell me the top three things that are constantly in your mind. And it was all three had to do with killing herself, burn herself, drown herself, you know what I'm all suicidal. And I went, I think this is evil. I said, I do have a way to get rid of evil that affects your wife, but it's only through the person of Jesus Christ May I pray for her in Jesus' name? Then she turned and went, is Jesus alive? Or she said, is Jesus still alive? She's like, is he still alive? I went, yes. I mean, it, she asked me with such sincerity, I had to think about it. I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's what this, I hope he is. Especially <laughs> right about now. I said, yeah, he, he did die you know, the prophet, but he rose again and he's alive. And they're like, yes, please. So I'm praying for her and I'm kind of getting into my spiritual warfare prayer and it's choppy and it's not working out good. And then just the power of God comes on us in that car, boom. And before I'm even finished praying, she goes, my mind, my mind, my mind is clear. My mind is calm. And, she, and I'm like, I didn't even finish praying. Give me, I got a process here. Don't jam me up. I charge by the minutes in prayer, even if it's the nar. No. Uh, <laughs> she got free. Amen. Now, can you imagine her going back to her village? Jesus is not dead. He's actually alive, and he cleared my mind. That's a witness. God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but power. Even the face of evil. Love. You gotta love. I, I, it's easy for people to label you. 
had a neighbor that I saw. Uh, I was in her house. I saw her. She would come out every day and walk her. She had a little toddler in a mop bucket with a rope. And that was her baby carriage. And they literally, they would walk around the block several times. So I'd watch them. They'd come around. And it was actually funny, especially when she took the corner. Because the little, it would start. And I was like, well. So finally, one day, I just went down and I said, hey, uh, my name's Victor Marshall. She goes, I know who you are. Ooh. That's how cold. She's like, uh, yeah, you're that Christian preacher man. I go, well, not really a great Christian. Definitely not good at preaching. I'm a man. <laughs> but okay. She goes, uh, and she was just really, I said, okay. So, so I'm sorry. I just, I saw you, me and my wife, we've had a bunch of babies and we have uh, some gear, <laughs> like kit, you know, we have stroller. Would you like one? She goes, no, I'm good. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, well, uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> I said, why, uh, you know, wh- why was it so much tension? She goes, I know. I know what you're all about against gays. I was like, whoa, I'm not against gays. She goes, I know you're one of those conservative Christian type. I said, okay. I said, I'm only against a gay if they're stupid or a bonehead. I'm not against gays. If it's an individual who's a bonehead, I'll be like, what's wrong with you? I don't care if you're gay or not. You're weird. Knock it off. (laughs) Shouldn't that be where we should go back to as a society? I don't care if you're black, white, green, atheist, Christian. If you're just dumb, just call it. What's wrong with you, man? (laughs) Yeah. Ah. Hmm. But I said, no. She goes, oh, well. I said, but I do have a question. She goes, I knew it. I said, can I walk with you? She's like, fine. So we're walking. She's pulling her baby in the mop bucket and we're walking. And I go, <laughs> I've got a question, a sincere question I've always wondered. She goes, okay, you know. Sexually, no, I said, um, <laughs> is it hard being married to a person of the same sex? Because it's really hard being married to a person of the opposite sex. <laughs> and she stopped and she goes, you're serious? I go, yeah, I'm just wondering. I mean, she goes, yeah, it is. It's very difficult. I'm like, whoa. She goes, as a matter of fact, my partner, because she was married, she goes, she's on a two-week bender now. She's a drug addict. I was like, oh. She said, me and my wife will be praying for you. Can we help with the kids? And we ended up, we, we did help her kids. She was a worker. And I remember that summer, her preteen son would attend my wife's weekly little Bible study at the house, cookies, and he gave his life to the Lord. And we end up baptizing him in a jacuzzi. She's like, you, you actually really do love me and us. But yeah. Show me where it says I'm not supposed to love you. He says, love my enemies. You're not even my enemy. You just have a lifestyle difference that I don't agree with. But my gosh, why should that interfere in our relationship? Also, show me in the Bible where it says we're to be safe as Christians. Having a hard time finding it. I had a pastor recently tell me when Antifa was hitting towns, he's like, hey, you know, because all of a sudden I'm the go-to person, me and my team for violence. It's like, y'all are violent Christians. (laughs) I mean, a couple of us have gifts for it, but what, I mean, what are you talking about? He goes, he goes, you know, with things out of control, he goes, he goes, I have a thousand rounds saved up. Is that enough? I said, for, well, for what? The uh, zombie apocalypse? I mean, I know they just stare coming waves. I, I don't know. 
And I, he goes, well, you know, if somebody comes in our neighborhood and wants to, I said, well, you have every right to defend your home and your person and the innocent. I mean, I believe in Second Amendment, uh, of course. I said, but a thousand rounds, what are you planning on? <laughs> he goes, well, you know, if they come, I said, brother, I've lived it. I've lived the apocalypse with my family overseas in Iraq. I said, let's say a wave of bad people come, just shoot and kill one. They're gonna come in there and try to hack you up. Leave them in your front yard, they'll blow it up and smell. It is an unbelievable deterrent. He goes, I'm like, what are you you talking about? A thousand rounds, that's what happens to people when you shoot them, they die and if you don't move them, they swell up and stink. He's like, okay, well, God bless you. I, that's. <laughs> I'm like, stop wasting your energy on all this fantasy and easy with the, you know, we do child recovery all over the world. And can I just say for those of you who think there are tunnels from military base to military base in the United States, snatching kids and bringing them around doesn't exist. Please, everything above ground is plenty. Right in the streets, right in trailer parks, right in the wealthy part of town, kids are being abused and used. You don't have to follow what we call a flashbang. Oh, look at that. Yes, there's pedophile rings and all that. But man, keep your eyes open and live the reality of it's happening in your neighborhoods. Uh, one gal told, we were standing there, one gal was like, yeah, but those black helicopters, the black Silent, they come down in our cities and are taking kids. My colleague's like, uh, flag. Nope, doesn't happen. She goes, how do you know? He's with Delta. He goes, I was on the black helicopters. <laughs> That's his look. He shuts one eye like, God, you're stupid. We have plenty of things we can put our effort into that's realistic without all the extreme conspiracy theories. Do you understand? And you want to take back this country? You want our country to get aligned right? You want to advance the kingdom of God, which is our purpose, right? To expose the works of darkness? Let me tell you, don't worry about saving up a thousand rounds. 500 will work. No, just joking. But (laughs) better learn to shoot your weapon. I go into churches and go, we, oh, we got good security. A lot of people carry concealed. I'm like, that makes me even more nervous. Where are they? <laughs> but I, I hear Christians like, you know, our church is going to, you know, it's like, you better make sure you fill up the volunteer roster for kids ministry before you start taking the nation back. Try suffering with that. Not here, because y'all are solid, but I mean, there should be a waiting list to work in kids' ministry. Everybody wants to do this other stuff. Man, I don't know. God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I'll end on a sound mind. I was abused as a kid. That's why I do what I do. I was sexually abused, all of it. I was tortured. I was left for dead in a commercial cooler. 123 visits to a trauma specialist in nine months. I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, Buspar. I know what it's like to have a psychiatrist tell you you'll never fully function. And me look right back and go, I never functioned in the first place. Keep paying your student loan there, doc. No, I, you know, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, all I can say is God likes to show off. And being small doesn't do anything. And being humble just means you, you recognize what God's given you and what he hasn't. And you run in your lane. But run. Run so that you won't have no more oil in your lamp. When, and I believe I tell people, the title of this message could be called Absolute, the best message that we're in times. That'd be a good title, because people would click on it. 
We are in the end days. And I think it's a funnel. And it's getting darker and darker before. But all of us are in the end days, especially some of you with gray hair and wrinkles. <laughs> I think gray hair and wrinkles is God's way of saying, I'll be seeing you soon. <laughs> and yet we live like, you know, <laughs> And hey, if the barn needs painting and the cosmetology and the, all that, do it. But don't forget, I mean, don't, don't forget. I talked to a lady last couple nights ago, and she told me her age. I was like, okay, I would have lost a bet. They did really good work on you, ma'am. <laughs> but listen, we are going to die. I got, a, I got a radio show five days a week. And people say it's a cross between Dr. James Dobson's broadcast and Joe Rogan. (laughs) Little factoid, I was Dr. James Dobson's assistant. How many of you didn't see that one coming? He was my boss, became my mentor, and now he's my friend. When he wanted his bride, Miss Shirley, to learn how to shoot, he called me and said, can y'all teach Shirley how to shoot? I said, come on now. They drove over, putting on a target. He's a shooter too, trust me. He turns 85 this year. So last thing I'll say, um, the most powerful weapon, because you've seen, you know, me talk about stuff, but the, the most powerful weapon I've ever used is the weapon of forgiveness. When I was older in life, I was actually working for Focus on the Family as an assistant to Dr. Dobson. I went and found that man, the one man who was a stepfather who had abused me so bad. I found him. And that was hard to trust God and obey him to find him. And look at me. The first door I knocked on was the house I was raised in, and I was scared to death. Fear was taking hold of me because all the abuse that had happened there. And... An old lady opened the door and she said, can I help you? I was dressed in a suit and I said, ma'am, I used to live in this house. And she goes, who is your daddy? I told her, she goes, I bought this house from him 30 something years ago. I knew he wasn't in there, but I still thought there'd be a monster in there. You know what I mean? Because he had actually got arrested, put in prison, and he escaped. And then he turned himself in after years of being out of the country And then he was reduced to living in a little trailer on a river. But that lady, she said, oh my gosh. She said this to me. She goes, bad things happened in this house, didn't it? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, when I bought this house, y'all's stuff was still in here because we had to escape one night and we never came back. Crawled out of a window to escape him. And she says, stay right here. She went and got a little box of photos. She puts it down. She pulls out a picture. She goes, I kept y'all's photos off the walls. And I've prayed for you all these years. And I said, that's me. The little guy, the blonde-headed, the very charming, good-looking, intelligent, (laughs) articulate. She goes... I prayed, and she was in her 80s. I said, God kept you alive so you see the fruit of your prayers. If you're older, you're not out of the game. Stay in the fight. It's a lie the enemy tells our elderly. You're not a door kicker anymore. You can't do this. I tell you, you can be so violent in prayer. You can destroy the works of darkness. And we need you. We need you. The last thing the Lord told me on that was, go find him now. And I, I had a level of trust because I saw what just happened. And I went and found him. He was on a river in a little trailer. Knocked on his door. And it was weird. He even tried to intimidate me. And I was like, I ain't that little kid no more. I'm a full-grown man. I'm a Marine, a black belt martial arts. And I could tell he just had open-heart surgery. I was like, I will unzip you, old man. (laughs) 
make it look like an accident. <laughs> Push him in that river. His swim laps didn't go well today. Obviously, the ticker came out. God gave me the privilege to be in the hospital room when he was dying. And I would pray for him. And I would come into the room and read scripture. And I remember saying, you know you're going to die. And you are going to go to hell. For one reason, you've rejected Jesus Christ. You know you've broken all them Ten Commandments, because he had. And I said, your only hope is the cross. He'd say, you can read it if you want. He was so hard. The last time I'd see him, it was about four in the morning. I woke up out of bed, got on my knees and started praying. And I started crying. They were man tears, so that, you know, I mean, they. (laughs) Um, My wife got out of bed. We wept together that God would save him. I knew he was done. I went in the next morning. It's the last day I'd see him. I walked in and he goes, he had a new nurse. He goes, hey, nurse, this is my son. I was like, whoa. He goes, I'm proud of him. I was like, whoa, I never heard them words in my life. And even if you've been abused by a caregiver, dad or mom, you know those words still matter. And he said, he's been worried about my eternity. He said, but he doesn't have to worry no more. I made it right with God last night. Uh, It was so... It was so sacred, it was so, I mean, unbelievable that the nurse literally walked out of the room backwards. It was, the presence was like of God. And I said, Lord, now I know why. Because some people, they've heard it, but they don't know it. They don't believe it. God used me, who he had abused so horrifically, as an instrument to come back and go, I'm living proof God forgives. Nothing you can do would keep you from God's forgiveness if you just repent, if you accept it. And I said, Lord, well, I guess I'm done. What do you want me to tell him? What's the last words you want me to say? And he goes, tell him you love him. I was like, well, I looked at him and said, hey, Dad, I love you. And he turned and he looked at me and he goes, boy, I love you too. I never heard them words from him. And then I just took a pillow. (laughs) What is wrong with you, man? That was a loud, what is wrong with all of you? That's sick. I lifted his head up. (laughs) It was a Mike Liddell pillow. Thank you, Mike. You guys, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind.